Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. Good morning. As we get started this morning, let's just join our hearts together uh, with this crafted prayer that is for us as a body. Father, we ask you to raise us up as a people of worship and prayer. We are not satisfied with where we are with you, so we ask you to draw us nearer. We ask that you would establish your altar among us. We ask that you would teach us to birth things through prayer. We ask that you would teach us to pray from heavenly ground. And in faith, we ask for you to send your wind and your fire into the church in Cheyenne to remove debris and bring forth desire in your people. We ask that your throne would be established in Cheyenne, Wyoming. And I I just pray, Father, that, that we would adequately value the opportunity that we have to meet with you together. So many places on the earth that is extremely difficult and dangerous. And we thank you for the freedom that we have here to gather and worship you. We thank you for your presence. Move among us, move upon us today. In Jesus' name. So, the last few times that I have spoken to you, I've been talking about uh, building the altar of the Lord in Cheyenne and how our our responsibility as humans is to protect and cultivate the place of encounter with with the living god uh as our our primary responsibility in life before our creator and I I know we need to flesh those things out uh, a little more, and uh, I I think we're going to have a few people share today about how they do that, but I want to say a few things about uh, sort of unpacking some of the words that, that I'm using, because while they're familiar words, the concepts that I'm talking about may not be that familiar. So when when I talk about protecting and cultivating the place of encounter with God, uh, I'm not just talking about prayer. Uh, where, where and how do you encounter God? Did did everybody encounter God in worship this morning? Raise your hand if you did. Uh, 
that's that's pretty much everybody. Uh, so that's what I'm talking about. We we need those times when we're unmistakably in the presence of God. And for me, that happens uh, mostly in in worshiping God with songs. Uh, that's where I first encountered God was was doing that, and it caused me to pick up the guitar again that I hadn't played in I don't know how many years, ten years, and I I was not any good when I had laid it down. So <laughs> it was a journey. <laughs> uh, but when I discovered modern worship music, I started encountering God, and I said. There, there was just something within me that said, I was created for this, and I, I got to do this. And, and so it's, it's been a journey that really has had very few detours in, in the last 20-some years, I think. And, and so that's what I'm getting at. And when, when I read scripture and I'm fully engaged and I'm really seeking the Lord, I often encounter him right there. But there's a difference between that and, oh man, I got to read my chapter for the day <laughs> and I only have three minutes, so I'm, I'm going to just try to get it done. And that, that's not the place of encounter. The, the place of encounter is unhurried. <laughs> uh, God knows he is the highest priority. <laughs> and when we don't treat him as such, uh, it, it doesn't honor him. It, it dishonors him. And so we're unlikely to encounter him in, in that kind of a situation. Although sometimes he does break through because... If that's all we're giving him, sometimes he's he's gonna speak in in that, and and so uh, you know there there are a lot of things that that happen in our lives that uh, hinder getting to that place of encounter, and and that's avoiding those things is what I mean by protecting the place of encounter, and then those those things that we do that that lead to encountering the presence of God, that doing more of those is, is what I mean by cultivating the place of encounter. So, so that's why specifically those words are, are used in, in the way I've been trying to communicate that. And I, I think that will be somewhat helpful for us. And, and we're going to have some other people share about sort of how, how they do that, uh, protect and cultivate the place. But the other thing uh, that I've mentioned is, is building the altar of God. And, and that is a corporate thing. I mean, back in the Old Testament, we, we saw Abraham make altars to the Lord. We, we saw Isaac and, and Jacob make altars to the Lord. But 
the fullness of that was was when Israel had altars for the Lord. And, and they were as he wanted them to be, as he prescribed them to be. And, and so I'm, I'm talking about something that happens corporately when we're together in, in building the altar. And, and building the altar of the Lord, it involves encountering him together as, as we did this morning. But to cultivate that further, we, we minister to the Lord together. And, and we give him what, what he deserves and, and what he desires from us, which is worth worship in spirit and truth. And, and so, and, and, and don't, don't get me wrong here, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that this doesn't happen in other places, but there's, there's a, a difference that happens when the people of God are of one heart and one mind in, in seeking encounter with God together, and ministering to the Lord together, there's, there's a different dynamic that will happen. And, you know, a number of us went out to Labarge to this little church of probably 20 people, maybe 25 if everybody shows up, and you you encountered the Lord there, <laughs> worshiping to music videos because they they don't have any musicians. And you, when we were there, you know, we we worship for an hour plus sometimes, and and you don't get bored with the fact that there's no musicians up there. Uh, they, the Lord has established something there because of their desire, their hunger for his presence, and, and their, their unity in desiring that and in ministering to the Lord together. And... And we, we have an opportunity for the Lord to establish something similar uh, among us. And, and I, I think, you know, for the last month or so, he's, he's been visiting us with more of his presence and, and sort of just... <laughs> Okay, this this is this is the way. <laughs> Come on, uh, he's just been drawing us more because there, I mean there there is a truth that the more of God's presence we experience, the more we want of His presence, and and so you know that maybe sums up everything that, that I've been 
saying. <laughs> Just that that truth. So um, who who else would like to uh, speak to cultivating and protecting the place of encounter with with the Lord? You want to go next? Just like like Jay said, it's more than just prayer or reading your Bible. And um, so I asked, I've been asking the Lord what he wanted me to share. And there's, there's a couple verses. Well, there's, there's one, one thing I heard on, I don't know, it was like on YouTube, but it was this um, young teenager preaching and I, this young lady said, it's not enough to be just acquainted with Jesus. And a lot of us settle for that. We settle because we, you know, we struggle encountering him and feeling his presence and knowing him more. So we just settle with being saved. And that's not our destiny. That was just, that was just the remedy. The destiny is to know him. And, um, you know, I, a lot of people hunger and struggle with, well, did I miss my destiny? Or am I going to miss my destiny? Or did I mess up too much? Is, you know, and I, I want to tell you that Satan is a liar. He is a liar. And your destiny is at your hand every day, every moment that you get up. And um, so I'm going to tell you why. And Matthew um, 11:28, Jesus said, "Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened, and I will cause you to rest. I will ease and relieve and refresh your souls. Take my yoke upon me." Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle, meek, and humble, lowly in heart, and you will find rest, relief, and ease, and refreshment, and recreation, and blessed quiet for your souls. It's not just one time. He's calling you. He's asking you to come to him all the time. I mean, he wants you, and he wants to be pursued by you. So if you really want to encounter, encounter him in a way that changes you and transforms you, you come, but then you go after him, and you just ask for him to help you to be hungry and thirsty and to keep going. And I said to somebody the other day, I said, so what are you doing different this year to go up higher. What are you doing different? Because if you're just doing the same thing, you're just going to be in the probably the same place. Except I know my God is relentless, and he's not going to leave you there. But I'm just saying, you got the opportunity to cooperate with him and to kind of turn up the fire. And that's what I want. I want more. I don't want to settle. And so I just, you know, I encourage you to know. He's, he's saying, come. And so your place of encounter, it ha it's happens to me all different places. 
but God will meet me wherever I want him to meet me, you know, and I will say probably the best times is the early, early morning, and I ask him to wake me up. I ask him, you know, for that to be our special time, and a lot of times that's what I fast is I fast my sleep so that I get up and I have that time with him. Um, and it's not that I come with a laundry list of things that I think he needs to do or fix or show me my destiny, because destiny, um, well, actually, if you, I'm going to tell you a secret. I'm going to tell you what your destiny is. And, um, and if you reach that and think that you've made it, well, Come talk to me because I want to know how you did that. Um, <laughs> so in Romans 8.29, everybody knows this. <laughs> For those whom he foreknew, of whom he was aware and loved beforehand, he also destined from the beginning for ordaining them to be molded into the image of his son and share inwardly his likeness that he might become the firstborn among many brethren. And it goes on to more about that. But your destiny, your purpose is to allow him to transform you. And there's only certain, there's ways that are more effective. And sometimes, for me, it's being quiet and saying and just letting him speak, using the word to let him do that. Um, but it's also looking at the things that I thought or the things that came out of my mouth. And w when it comes out, I go, mm, that wasn't Jesus. And so then I give that to him right then or at least as soon as I can. And I say, okay, that, Holy Spirit, I want you to come in and kill that, whatever that flesh was, or whatever that wrong belief was, or that wrong thought, I want you to come in and take care of it, and I need the right one. And so then I'll go to the Word and find out, you know, either what he's already said about me, or, but the enemy, you know, he puts stuff in your mind that's not, that's not God. It's not what God has said about you. So it's a constant. It's capturing every thought and bringing it into the obedience. It's examining all everything throughout the day and saying, okay, was who was that? Who did that? And, and then just spending the time to let God do what he needs to do to transform me and not strive in it, but know that he is God that he loves me, and sometimes I lose sight of that, and then I have you, each one of you, to remind me who I am, that I am the beloved, that is my identity, and to speak life into me, and to speak identi identity into me. But anyway, that, that to me is what, how you protect the encounter. And encounter happens all day, but there are better times and places, but I, 
I just think you just, that's how you walk. So that was all I had. Well, it was Matthew eleven twenty eight, and then Romans twenty nine. Roman, yeah, eight twenty nine. Um, there was one prayer I heard. Um, it said, and I want to just speak this over you. And I, right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, break off all condemnation and false accusations, and I renounce the lie. that tells you that you can't come to him. Um, but anyway, when that one girl was preaching, I forgot this part. Because I, I was just so amazed at this young teenager up there. And she said, it's not enough to just be acquainted with him, but you are to eat his body and drink his blood. And so I ask the Lord to put that in you right now and to give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation of what that looks like for you. The Apostle James, <coughs> in James chapter 4, verse 8, wrote, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That's what God wants for us. But I have to tell you honestly that I've been dealing with the context of that passage. Um, the immediate context, the verse before, says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So before we can draw near to him, we have to submit to him. If we're submitted to him, we will resist the devil. We will have the authority of God so that he will flee from us. And when Jesus cast out spirits, he just said, go. He didn't have to go into this long, drawn-out, four-hour deliverance session. He had authority. He'd say, shut up and leave. Because sometimes they'd try to speak. Also, if you go back a little further in this passage, in James chapter 4, verse 4, Keep in mind that we have a bridal relationship with the heavenly bridegroom. So when Jesus or when James writes, adulterers and adulteresses he's writing to the church. He's writing to people who are indwelt by the Spirit of God. But he's saying, adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? The Apostle John in 1 John chapter 2, 
verses 15 and 16 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For anything, everything in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. That's the world that James is writing about. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. We know that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. So that's not the world that we are not to be a friend of. Jesus was known as a friend of sinners and tax collectors. But I guess what I'm trying to tell you, I'm learning I cannot take sin in my life lightly. I can not do that because it kills. The wages of sin is death. That's not only eternal death for those who never come to Jesus, but it kills your spiritual life because it alienates you from a holy God. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So I've got to deal with that. Now, I don't think what I'm saying is as desperately needed here among those who are here this morning and those who are part of this fellowship as it is in some parts of the body of Christ. But let me tell you something. There is a false gospel. A false gospel that must be repudiated, that must be resisted, that must be denounced and condemned as heretical. And if you allow that to deceive you, you will reap the consequences. And the church in this country is reaping the consequences of accepting that heresy. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? In other words, you become an enemy of God. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. That ought to scare you. An enemy of God? God becomes my enemy? All he's got to do is, you're gone. Your heart can stop beating like that. In a second. I don't want to be an enemy of God. Verse 5, or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit, and this is the Holy Spirit, who dwells in us yearns jealously. 
Spirit of God who lives in us, who indwells us, by whom we have been joined, or with whom we have been joined, 1 Corinthians 6, 17, yearns jealously for us to come into that union with him. Remember, bridal union, intimacy. He yearns for that. Verse 6, but he gives more grace. Thank God. There's no way our flesh is up to this. This is not a fleshly thing. Your mind, your will, your emotions, your body, there's nothing about you in the natural that can get this done. It isn't going to happen. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The proud is that religious spirit that says, I can come to God. I can clean up my act. I can live the way I'm supposed to. I can please God in my flesh. Sorry. It's not what the Bible says. The proud need to repent. And I've been there. But God gives grace to the humble, those who realize they are desperately in need of God's enablement, or it's just not going to happen. It can't. Then he says, therefore submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now this thing about submitting to God, there's a book by Andrew Murray called Absolute Surrender that I would like to encourage you to pick up and read. Um, you see, when we're absolutely surrendered, and I don't know that any of us have ever gotten there. Even Paul said, I, <laughs> I'm striving for it. I'm reaching for it. I'm going for it. But I haven't made it yet. Absolute surrender is what God wants. Because when that happens, there's nothing that he can't do in us and through us. Now, in that context, it says resist the devil and he will flee from you. I've already addressed that. But then it says draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So with that preparation, the fear of the Lord leading us to acknowledge that, you know, I've thought about Isaiah. Here's a man whom God has called as a prophet. And what happens when he encounters the holy God? Woe is me, for I am undone. For I am a man of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the king. 
when we see Jesus as the one the risen Jesus who's got fire in his eyes when we see him when you encounter him you know the apostle John was probably his best earthly friend John was the one who laid his head on Jesus' chest at the Last Supper. And John referred to himself as the one whom Jesus loves. But when John saw Jesus, the, resurrect the resurrected Jesus, the risen Jesus, with fire in his eyes, he didn't even know who he was at first. He had an encounter with the living Christ. See, that's our problem a lot of times. We have a religion built around the historical Jesus. And that's good to know our history, to know what he did, all those things. But he's alive, guys. And he wants us to encounter him now. But when you do, you're probably going to have the same kind of response that Isaiah did. I am undone. I cannot stand before this holy God and profess anything except my desperate need for him. Also, the context of drawing near to God and him drawing near to us goes on. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and warn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. So James is saying here, We must cleanse our hands and purify our hearts and become single-minded. When he says lament and mourn and weep, that's what I'm saying. I think we need to take this seriously. I am grateful for God's forgiveness. And there is joy that comes when you know you're forgiven and cleansed. But there's a time, if there's anything in our life that isn't from God, there's a time to lament and mourn and weep and let our laughter be turned to mourning and our joy to gloom. I wish I could stand in front of you and tell you that I'm a holy man of God. But I'm not. God's working on me. He hasn't given up on me yet. And thankfully, he never will. But I'm just telling you, don't mess with sin. It will kill you.
that's part of preparing our hearts for that place of encounter. As far as cultivating it is concerned, I just want to announce this morning that my wife and I, Bev and I, are going to start a group a week from Monday. We'll be discussing a book called The Pleasures of Loving God by Mike Bickle. Um, one of the key things that Mike talks about is the fact that when you are aware of how much God loves you, you cannot possibly help but respond to that in love. So there's a great deal of the book that deals with that revelation of God's love for us so that we can respond the way God wants. Um, anyway, there are copies of the book back there. There's a sign-up sheet. If you have any questions, there's also flyers sitting there that you can take. If you have any questions, I'll be available to talk to you about that. But... Um, Cultivating the place of encounter with God has a lot more to do with allowing the revelation of God to impact your heart than anything else. It's not so much about, we've talked, Ken mentioned reading your Bible and those kinds of things. I mean, I strongly encourage reading your Bible, but. When you do read, as Jay mentioned earlier too, don't read so fast that God can't speak to you. If you're just reading to read, then don't bother. I can tell you that just makes you feel more religious and just makes you feel spiritually proud. And then you become hard-hearted and God can't deal with you. So you don't want to go there. If you're going to read, lay your heart before God and say, God, what are you trying to tell me? If God want, doesn't want to speak to you, I mean, he does want to speak to you. So we need to just open our hearts to what he wants to say through his word. Okay? So I think that's all I have. First, I want to say that during worship, I saw people swimming out from the ocean trying to get to shore. And I really believe there's some people here this morning that is going, I need help to get to the shore. So I wanted to release that. I really didn't have a whole lot of time to really prepare this for this this morning. I've been uh, doing some renovations at the house and I really got distracted a lot. So, but one of the things I feel that God, for me, is to keep my mind focused on him. When you're struggling with things, talk to him about it. I'll share something that happened to me this week. I had a, people come in to sit with the person that is going to do some renovation in my house, and I got up and I went to the restroom and the toilet went and flush. And I already had been to the 
my limits of what I could handle. And so I lifted up the tank, and there was no water in the tank. So I went and I dumped some water in there and flushed it, and it still didn't fill back up, so I poured more water in it. And, and then I had to um, do the same thing over again. I did that several times, and I finally just sat and said, God, I don't know what you want me to do here. I do not know how to fix it, and you're my husband. And so it's like, fix it. <laughs> and so when I went to the restroom again, I flushed the toilet and the water started filling up. And it's, uh, that's what I really think that God is really saying. He wants us to go to him with the tiniest things and to be able to keep our minds focused on him and um, to, to take him everything. Learn to trust him. That's where I am. I'm learning how to trust God, even in the little things. And there is nothing that is more precious than his presence. Start practicing his presence. Because it says in the word that he'll never leave you nor forsake you, so it means he's right there. And you know, if you're in the right place with God, you feel love. But if you tend to get distracted and stuff, you'll begin to feel like God doesn't love me. It's just the in enemy trying to lie to you and stuff. The scripture that really well, I was kind of meditating on this morning, and it was, uh, I believe it was um, at LaBarge that they gave this, but it just is... It's powerful, I think. It's First Chronicles 22, starting verse 19. It says, Now set your mind and your heart to seek the Lord your God. Arise and build the sanctuary of the Lord God, so that the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the holy vessels of God may be brought into a house built for the name of the Lord. To me, that's just powerful. Once again, set your mind and your focus on God. Good morning, brothers and sisters. I just want to say my name is Christina. Thank you very much for having me here in your home. This is beautiful. Um, how I cultivate, how do I have a relationship with Heavenly Father? I know that he told us that man do not live by bread alone. I do not live by the scriptures alone, but in prayer and in church and in hearing everyone. Blessed is he that readeth when they hear the words of the prophet and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. That's what I love. That Heavenly Father did give us His Son, our Savior, so that we can come home. I believe that with all my heart, all my soul, all my being. And I instill that in my children even though they're not here with me today, they'll 
they hear a little message when I do get to come home. But being here is, is for me a true blessing. Haven't been active in the church for a few months and come to find this one. I know God's leading the way. And I just wanted to say thank you and thank our Heavenly Father for our loving Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I feel like the things I have to say, maybe other people have already said, but but it's good to say some things twice that are important. So probably the most helpful thing to me to encounter the Lord is worship. And probably 20 years ago, that really changed for us because we had always sung songs about God, more of a horizontal style Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise, things like that. And then suddenly, you know, we were introduced to different music and we started sing, singing, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. Oh, my soul, joy. So it's vertical. It's right from me to him. And when we did go to church when I was a child, it was a big Methodist church with gigantic stainless or stained glass windows. And it even had a dome, like a hem hemisphere dome that was stained glass. And to me, God was way up there, and I was way down here and very insignificant. So those vertical worship connect me with him, brings me close to him. And then I know he loves me, and I know I'm important, and then I can commune with him. Helps me also if I just find a few psalms that, cry out to him and the few of the just to start with but a few of the psalm 60s in the early 60s like psalm 61 hear my cry oh god listen to my prayer from the end of the earth i call to you and my heart is faint you feel like you're in the end of the earth sometimes in wyoming psalm 62 for god alone my soul waits in silence and from him comes my salvation he only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not greatly be shaken. Psalm 63 is famous. O oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I don't read the whole psalm always, but just a few verses to get me started telling God how desperately I need him and drawing us close. Every once in a while, we'll find a book that's all about seeking. Francis Frangipane, everything he writes is amazing. I will be found by you. You know who said that? God said that. He wants us to find him. Um, Francis, at the end of one chapter, writes a dream that he had. And I won't read the whole dream, but I'll just kind of describe it that he saw a temple standing open in a field. It was obvious the glory of God was shining out of it. And here's all these people around, and they're all doing. So one part of protecting and cultivating that place of encounter is to know your own heart. I'm a doer, and I have to work hard to just be. Because if I'm doing, 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 all these people were doing laundry. They were 
watching TV. Some were reading their Bibles and they were praying, but they were all had a downward focus. He saw all the people and the glory of God was right there. There were even a few people reading the Bible and praying, but everyone maintained the downward thrust of their gaze. Each had a mental barrier of some kind between himself and the place of God's presence. Sometimes you just have to put the Bible down and just look up and stop talking and be silent and just actively be. Another help, Kim had mentioned this little devotional book few years ago, Jesus Calling. And she said, when I read that, the Holy Spirit just comes. And I heard that. I'm like, I need one. I need one for my mother-in-law. I need one for everybody I know. But many of you have this. And um, it's true. The things she writes are from Scripture. And they pierce my heart and draw me in. So if I really have some jesus encounter i need to do or i really am feeling far away i just have to sit down at the piano and worship and it's best if i don't even have a lead sheet in front of me it's just me and god meandering first of all i like to bless israel uh if we bless israel we'll get blessed and the other thing i like to do is draw a bloodline around this fellowship in jesus name of protection uh, I'm a Holy Spirit junkie. <clears throat> I uh, hunt the presence of God whenever I can. Um, and there's a couple. Of, uh, I'm a applicator of the Word of God. If you, that's what I do. I just like if He says it, then I'm going to try and figure out what He means by applying it to my life. I was in Wyoming in 1980. I was at a prayer meeting with the glow ladies and i heard these two women start singing in their prayer language and then they sang the interpret they were one would sing and the other would respond and then they sang the the english i'd never seen that that was pretty cool uh we were uh worshiping and we went into the holy of holies and all y'all know what the holy holies is everybody been there raise your hand holy holies yeah Okay, I went in there with my grocery list of prayers. Got kicked right out. It was the first time I realized what the altar was, what the presence of God was. First time. You come in here to the Holy Holies. You come to worship me. I'll take care of your grocery list. You come in and you be with me. So from that point on, in 1980... I've been dogging him, finding out where he is. Okay, all right. The other thing that happened to me, I became a worship leader along the way. Um, and with Joy and, and uh, Jay and some of y'all, music is uh, a big deal. You know, I, it's like I go to the next song that breaks my heart. Breaks my heart, breaks my heart. The reason why is Revelation 5. <clears throat> Searched every place for who was worthy. Worthy is the Lamb. How many songs have we heard that say worthy is the Lamb? First time I ever heard worthy is the Lamb in a song 
or singing it, you know. I said, that's a pretty good song. I like, the, I like the tune, you know, I'm agreeing with all that, yeah. And then the Holy Spirit went, and I'm in a puddle of mess on the floor. Because if you have no other reason to build an altar and to protect this place and cultivate it, it's that. There isn't anybody else in the known universe that is worthy. He's worthy to build it right here, to bow and worship. That's what we're called to do is bow and worship, period. And he'll come and he'll build it for us. You know, and you want it, and then you um, know it, and then you abide in it. And, you know, I just, I just, I just go around praying all the time. I don't spend um, thinking of time just thinking about, well, I got to pray now or something. I'm just praying all the time. I just, you know, I see something, I start praying. I go into the supermarket and I see somebody, I start praying for him. You know, it's just a constant thing. I'm not thinking to hear it comes to my heart because I'm abiding. I didn't do that. <laughs> he built that in me, and I'm so thankful because I kept going, I don't know how to do that, Lord. Calm down, daughter. I'll fix it. <laughs> The other thing is that's really cool is I ran into Ray Hughes. Anybody know who Ray Hughes is? He started talking about 24 worship, 24 hour worship, seven days a week in the temple, and I my ears went, <coughs> and uh, he started talking about the difference in, in worship and the difference in in what this this thing does to you and what that thing does to you, and it was like I I started vibrating. I was like, okay. All right, you know, sometimes you bring in the, the drummers and sometimes you bring in the violins and everything, and I can listen to a violin and start crying, so. But he started talking about our musical DNA and what, what, what you know, I mean, I can listen to some people that love uh, bluegrass music, and I, I listen to about four minutes and I'm done. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Oh, I know you'll love it. That's good. You know, um, just there's just find what resonates with your spirit. Worship with him. Never stop it. Um, something really neat that he told me one time. Um, he said, um, when we get to heaven, that favorite song that you like, <laughs> it'll never end. <laughs> we'll, never, we'll never get tired of it. It'll just go into something else, and it'll just, it will always be eternally. We will always have that music that feeds our spirit, that because there's something, I don't know what it is about music, I just know what it is. But, um, you know, when I hear this, the, the, the refrain, refrain, my heart will sing no other name, Jesus. It won't. That will, it'll never stop. It will never stop doing that. Um, you know, come be the fire in my heart, you know. Come be the flame upon my, what is it? Come be the flame upon my heart. That, uh, that song, it's like I started, I heard that song, and I was just like, yeah. You know, when... You respond in music, it's like you respond totally, 100%. Like, um, it's like what Joy was singing, uh, saying, singing. <laughs> when sometimes when you worship the Lord, sing a new song. Every day, sing a new song. By the time we hear a song, do you realize how many times it's been sung? You know, it's like, okay, sing me a new one. It's in you. It's in every one of us to sing in a new song every day. And the minute you do that, I, I promise you, 
you're in his presence instantly, practicing his presence. I got that same word, practice his presence, yeah. But um, in this place, he wants to build the Holy of Holies where you come and enter in and you worship him aside and apart from everything else that's going on in your lives. It's not as important as he is. Don't ever lose sight of that. He will build it here as we come together and make him number one. He will build it here. I promise you. I've seen him do it, and it's, it's, a, it's a precious thing to see. Gosh, I don't know. I think she just about said everything I wanted to say. But I was looking at Ezekiel 42, starting around 13, because... It would take a lot more time than we have and someone that is more able than I to put this into the proper perspective. But I just want to give a bit of a taste of what I want to share with you. And this is mostly a personal testimony. I, I like the teaching, um, and I don't have any teaching to do. But I just want to share a personal testimony, if that's okay. Uh, I'm going to try so Ezekiel 42, starting around 13. Then he said to me, the north and south rooms facing, facing the temple courtyard are the priest rooms where the trees, where the priests who approach the Lord will eat the most holy offerings. There they will put the most holy offerings, the grain offerings, the sin offerings, and the guilt offerings for the place is holy. Once the priests enter the holy precincts, they are not to go into the outer court, really key, until they leave behind the garments in which they minister, for these are holy. They are to put on other clothes before they go near the places that are for the people. When he had finished measuring what was inside the temple area, he led me out by the east gate and measured the area all around. He measured the east side with the measuring rod. It was 500 cubits. He measured the north side. It was 500 cubits by the measuring rod. He measured the south side. It was 500 cubits by the measuring rod. Then he turned to the west side and measured. It was 500 cubits by the measuring yard. So he measured the area on all four sides. It had a wall around it, 500 cubits long and 500 cubits wide to separate the holy from the common. Then the man brought me to the gate facing east, and I saw the glory of the God of Israel coming from the east. His voice was like the roar of rushing waves, and the land was radiant with his glory. The vision I saw was like the visions I had seen when he came to destroy the city and like the visions I had seen by the Kabar River. And I fell face down. It's so easy to come here because I don't have to do nothing. I don't have to go through a ritual. I don't have to go through a process. And last week, Jay, you said, it's not about what we do up here. 
It's just the process of to get started. And what you said about the songs, building an altar is very easy when you have worship because you don't have to do anything. The cubics, the area that we seem to walk into is closed off in many ways, metaphorically, from whatever it is that's out there that would keep us distracted and from entering into the Holy of Holies. And so it's easy to come here because I don't have to have a prayer list. I don't have to think about someone or something. I can just walk in and I can just be here. And I don't have to think about you know, if I like that song or I don't like that song or we don't have, you know, this drummer or that instrument, it's all meaningless to me um, because it's so easy to be here. And building an altar, I can, you know, listen to the radio, I can listen to music here or there, but that's not corporate. And that's why it's so important that we come together because there's something that happens corporately I'm not looking at anyone. I'm not noticing if anyone is doing this or doing that because it's enough to know that I'm here corporately. But the ministering is so easy to do to minister to the Lord because that ministration is just being here. And I told Joe last week because he was sick and couldn't come. I said, you know, church was so good. He said, I should have went. I said, no, you needed to stay in bed. And I said, but it was so good because we don't have to do anything. You know, if you have been taken by a lie, like you were talking about, taken about, you know, submitting that Arnie was talking about, and all those things, they certainly have impl application, but you just have to come and just be here in this space and this morning when we were worshiping, I thought, oh, I sure like this because I don't have to do anything. I don't have to have a good voice. I don't have to know the songs. I can just be here and just enjoy. And it's kind of like being on this great train and I'm just enjoying the scenery, all the lovely places that God is showing where we're in worship. And it's kind of like in Revelation when you think about those 24 elders and what they're doing. I'm like, wow, that's holy bananas for me. It's just so easy to just to be here. And I appreciate the cultivation of the altar, the corporate cultivation, because something else that's going on is, and I like all churches. I'm. I just, I just do. I don't like lines that divide us. But a lot of churches, for whatever reason, that's not their focus right now, have not developed a sense of yearning or focus to develop holiness. And that's what we get when we're in worship, is we get to touch the hem of the holy. Thank you. Both of us uh, uh, pray together in, in individuals. And every morning I get up, I um, pray before I go to work, ask a 
feel better doing so myself and over the workplace. And I just speak in tongues, driving to work and uh, pray as speaking in tongues as I uh, work. Because if I don't do that, I don't have the peace of God on me. I need the peace. Because whatever happens at work, whatever they tell me, I usually get mad, but I'm, I'm learning <laughs> to pray as I work. Because throughout the day, things happen. And I just ask the Lord, I have to ask invite the Lord, how do I deal with this problem? And he shows me in a good way. Everything changes. <laughs> Plus, uh, uh, the Lord also remind me to uh, look at the Bible. What does it say about that situation? And then I take that to heart and, you know, follow what the Bible tells me to do. You know, that's instructions, and you have to be really obedient of what he tells you. If you don't, then, you know, sometimes you quench the Holy Spirit. <laughs> the only thing that comes to mind that I've been thinking about is um, is our marriage. God has cultivated our marriage. He's protected it. Yes. He's making it holy. Um, we've, we've only been married five years, but it, <laughs> it wasn't easy. We had to go through counseling. Um, it's just our different ethnic backgrounds. I'm Hispanic. He's Japanese. And we just, <laughs> and the Lord's just taught me that I need to be more patient with him and, and him patient with me. Um, when we went through counseling, we learned about um, just appreciating each other and letting each other know how much we appreciate one another and blessing one another, just finding some way to bless each other, which we've been doing a lot of, and forgiving, forgiving each other. Like when we get upset about something right away, ask for forgiveness. Yeah. <laughs> but... I feel that's how God's been protecting our marriage um, and drawing us closer to him because that it has drawn us closer to him. And I'm always constantly saying, Lord, change me. Please change me because I, I can get this. <laughs> and Brian is like, he's so good. You really think you should be like that? <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm just being honest because I am. I'm, I'm a hothead and... But he's always saying, let's pray. Let's, let's pray about the situation. What is, you know, like you said, what does God have to say about this? What does he have to say? And, and <laughs> but I love this man more today than I did yesterday. <laughs> and then um, Kim was talking about destiny, and I was telling her the other day, I saw a program with Sid Roth on um destinies and and sometimes I feel like I've lost my destiny and no you know hey today what does God have for me today you know and I look forward to it I look I do I look forward to it and just like doing the healing rooms coming to the healing rooms I mean I don't my mind is blank I have nothing but the Lord does the Holy Spirit 
always has something, always. And I just feel so blessed. I feel totally blessed. You have to listen to small voice in you. And sometimes you don't want to do it, but do it because the Lord will bless you for the obedience you, you have in him and yourself. Because he's the one that's controlling your life. Nobody else is. And if you look to the world, then that messes you up. <laughs> so be obedient and believe. Can I say something? <laughs> 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 no, we're not. <laughs> but you know what, Jim? Uh, Phyllis's uh, husband, he's deceased now, but he was Brian's mentor. I mean, he was he was so patient with Brian. and um, But Brian's taken a lot of, um, I don't know, attributes from, from him. Like, I've caught Brian, like, he'll, he'll, he'll be on the side of the bed, on his knees, praying for me before he goes to work. And I'm like, what are you doing? I'm just <laughs> praying for you. And I'm so glad that he does. I mean, and and this is how God is cultivating our, it's our marriage. I mean, he's bringing fruit. <laughs> is that it? Yep. <laughs> well, we bless you and thank you. Yep. I don't know if that's what we're supposed to say. Thanks. <laughs> well, I, I think we'll we'll quit there uh, for today, anyway. Uh, but I I hope this has been helpful. I I really think it has. Uh, it's it's been good. God is doing something, and we're cooperating with Him. And it's, it's good. So, Father, thank you. Uh, that you say, when we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. Jesus, we thank you for your invitation to come to you. And in our hearts, we, we say yes. So continue to take us where you want us to go. Continue to reveal yourself to us. Take us deeper in you. Take us deeper in worship and praise and thanksgiving. And, and build your altar among us. We thank you. We thank you that you've chosen us. It's not that we're anything special. We certainly haven't earned your favor. But we say yes. Have your way for the glory of your Son and of your name. Amen.
Who wants to pray over Danny? Uh, this is the last Sunday Danny is going to be with us for a little while. She has to go to her basic officer leadership class this week. And she's going to be gone for about four weeks. So if you'd like to come and pray over Danny and Luke and Garrett, <laughs> come on up. <laughs> and if you need to go, that's okay. So when Jay and Luke were in Labarge recently, since Luke had never been there before, they said, let's put him in the hot seat and let's all prophesy over him. And so they just invited the Holy Spirit. So that's what I do now. I invite you, Holy Spirit, to use us. I was so jealous when I heard practically every one of those people had a word or a picture. They all received something from the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, speak to us. Give us words, pictures, whatever you want for Danny, for her destiny, for her class, for her family, whatever you want to say, Lord. We receive it. Give us boldness to speak it out without changing it. In Jesus' name. We'll go ahead and record them. Father, I thank you for this woman of God. I thank you that you're giving her your heart. I, I bless her heart for justice, her heart of compassion. And I, I pray you'd minister to her heart as she's away from the two people she loves. the most and watch over and protect her and Garrett <laughs> and Luke in Jesus name who's next Father, I just ask in the name of Jesus that you would just protect their marriage, that you would just strengthen them, Lord, the cord that they have in Jesus Christ. Father, just come upon them. Fill them with your wisdom and your love. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful couple. Father, we just lift them up to you as a couple and a family. Lord, just I plead the blood, your blood over them, Lord. Use them in a mighty way, Lord. 
fill them with positive thoughts when people talk to them in a negative way, Lord. Because they are your child. They love you, Lord. And use them as a mighty vessel, Lord, for your kingdom. To bring people into your kingdom, Lord. And we, we give you glory for them, Lord. Danny and Luke, the Lord would say, just to come to him. Just come. Bring your burden to him the minute anything happens. Just come, and he's got this. And he, he says to you that his yoke is easy and it's light. And sometimes I think that you carry, carry things, you know, for your family, from your past. And he says, I want you to lay it down. I need you to lay it down. And just let me carry that. And I also believe that he's got um, just a transformation that's going to happen. That you're really going to have some encounters with him. That he's going to come and prove himself to be that center cord in your marriage. To be, when you're not with Luke, he's going to be there to be that husband and that father and all that you need. And the same for you. You know, he's just going to, in a real way, meet you. And so that that altar is, um, that presence is going to just be awesome. He's going to set your heart and your mind to build that altar and to know him. And that this little guy is going to be protected, and so are you. You know, that there's just angels on assignment. They're just all over. So... Anyway, we love you. Danny, I just have an impression from the Lord that um, you're going to be a spiritual mother. That doesn't need to be a burden. You just need to be who you are. And there are going to be other young women who are going to look to you because of what God's done in you. So, just get ready. Danny, I just pray for you for peace. Peace that passes all understanding. Because you're trying to do everything all by yourself. You're, you're, you have a heightened awareness of responsibility. <clears throat> and you're trying to get everything done and do everything. Put it on the altar. I can do it for you. But I just pray for peace now in Jesus' name that you can't comprehend or understand and go deep into your belly. Wash over you. Fill you. Let it all go. Let it all go. Let everything go. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Thank you, Mother. And don't worry about it. Don't be a fretter. Be a blesser.
I see something totally different. I see the angels rejoicing. God says he's, he already has this. He's already gone before you. He's there. The week in the field and then back and then the week in the field and back and the week in the field and back. He said, you're going to have an awesome time that he's taking care of it and you're going to come back a changed person and that he's protecting your family. He already has people in place here to make sure that that's happening and that folks that you can rely on so that burden has already been taken care of. And that when you come back, that tenderness that you have about you is just going to be overflowing because he's going there. And I think the spiritual mother thing is right, but I think it's that tenderness about you that uh, you don't even have to say anything. It's just your presence. So I see is exciting. And this is a huge step in your future. And what a blessing to be able to do this at this point in your life and to have a spiritual family here that will have you in prayer every second. I will do this. I just want, may I lay hands on you? I just want to bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I bless you with peace, shalom peace, that only God can give. I bless you with goodness that you will be able to flow out to others as you minister. You may, you may, you may think you're going out there for training, but actually there will be opportunities for ministering. There will be people hurting, and you will sense it because you have God's heart. So I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. You are like my own daughter. And you are so beautiful. And it's because what God has in you. You have no idea what he's going to do with your heart. When you walk into these situations over this next month, remember who sent you there. Remember your heart. Remember your spirit. But most of all, remember the Father that has held your hand your entire life. And he will be there. Don't let the enemy in. We will be rebuking that from here. Because the light that comes from you, there will be some jealousy. But we say that that is going to be turned around and cut off because you are God's warrior. He has gone into you and refined you in a way that most women will never know. Pray over you as a mother because you have a mother's heart. And I bless Luke because he had his, a daddy's heart. And because he's probably more of a worrier than you are. Because that's part of what dad does. And he will be taken care of. And I thank God for the communication lines that were not there many years ago. That you can talk and visit and pray over the phone. Which is a wonderful blessing. So as you go, you are loved. And he has mighty things for you. Take care of your body. Take care of your body fluids. 
of the food, sleep, most important, rest in him. Watch your back, but rest in him. I just see you as a light, God's light, to the entire group down there. People will be drawn to you, and you won't know why. And it's just because of his light flowing out of you. And your smile will bring somebody who's down back up again. So enjoy being the light.